Welcome to my podcast, Beautifully Broken, where we interview creative people, founders, artists, or engineers about their meditation practices and how those practices help them reliably reach a state of creative flow. Um, today, I interviewed Damien Taggart, who is Chief Business Development Officer at Meow Wolf in Santa Fe. So I originally started working for Meow Wolf, let's see, it was like maybe 2014, um, I came on as a contractor originally, I owned a business called Mindshare Labs um, that got hired to do a bunch of web work for Meow Wolf. Um, prior to that I had done some other projects with Vince and had become connected to him through like the mayor's campaign mm -hmm. and a couple other smaller projects that he was working on. Um, kind of independently before um, Meow Wolf really sort of took off as a business. Uh -huh. And then, and then let's see, like early on, Meow Wolf said, hey, it looks like we're going to have, you know, a significant chunk of work that we want to take through your company. Um, would you be willing to come on as like a kind of in-kind investor? Mm -hmm. um, and this was like, you know, before the building, the bowling alley was secured and everything. And uh -huh. But I was like really jazzed on it and said, sure, let's like, you know, figure out what that looks like. And so so it, was, it was right around the time that Meow Wolf was shifting uh, from an art collective, only an art collective, to an art collective and a business. Mm -hmm. right. Totally. It was like right before the original LLC was formed, okay. I guess. And after the Kickstarter? Before the Kickstarter. Before the Kickstarter. Okay. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so then, um, yeah, like. I don't know, fast forward a couple of years and I just had been like kind of increasingly pulled into Meow Wolf. Mm -hmm. um, just like more and more of my time was focused on Meow Wolf. And then um, maybe two years ago, I came on part-time. Huh. And so I was splitting my time between that and my old company. Also at the same time, kind of grooming my, uh, one of my employees to kind of take over the business. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up selling that business to him. Mm -hmm. So he's taken over my old company and is running it. And I came on full time with mm -hmm. Meow Wolf, so mm -hmm. just kind of made a transition, mm -hmm. um, which was really healthy for me. It was like having been in that business for like almost eleven years, and like having built it myself. Like I was just so deep in it, and I couldn't really. Um, I, I I had sort of hit a limit of growth, I think, in mm -hmm. this small town mm -hmm. for that company, and but didn't see any other real path, and like. Also, yeah, like I think I just had been kind of had an unhealthy relationship to work for a long time mm -hmm. where I was just like putting in ridiculous amount of hours and, um, you know, sacrificing like my personal well-being for this like vision of what I wanted to turn the company into and uh -huh. stuff. So. I don't know. So it was good for me. I, I got to a point where like I re recognized that being no longer sustainable and like shifted. And that was like actually before I joined Meow Wolf. But, okay. um, but then, you know, just having the total change of pace and change of direction that Meow Wolf presented was, uh -huh. was really great for me. Yeah. And I guess that kind of ties into what we want to talk about. Um, it, when did you first start your spiritual practice or when did spirituality or meditation, mindfulness, yoga, when did that first start appearing in your life? Yeah. So I think like, you know, spirituality in my life when I was a kid really was focused around like 
Catholicism and like the kind of religion I was raised with. And, but I think that like, even though I've grown to kind of reject most of the elements of that, I do think that there was some legitimate spirituality that came out of that and some like real spiritual practice there. Although when I was young, I didn't really have a sophisticated view of it or Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't understand it really. Mm -hmm. But I think that there was like power to even just things like the act of praying, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and yeah, like the ritual of it, the giving yourself over to something greater, Mm -hmm. you know, to like the asking for help, you know, even Mm -hmm. just that act of like, it's like humbling yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that was like maybe the start, but then um, I first got exposed to yoga in maybe like the late nineties when I was starting college, like 99, I think, um, I started college at UNM and took a Hatha yoga class and I had never even really, I guess I had heard of yoga before that, but I was like very confused by what yoga was in that class. I like didn't even, even in the class, I didn't really know what was happening. Like it was funny. I I feel like that's the case for everyone that approaches yoga that comes to yoga, especially if we've had a spiritual practice beforehand or a religious upbringing and stuff like that, is we come to this class and it's like a fitness class, but it's called yoga and there's this vague spiritual connotation to it as well, but it's unclear. It's like unclear how it's spiritual. It's like, how is this? It's a fitness class, but yet a spiritual. Would you agree with that or what do you you think? Totally. I mean, I thought of it kind of as a a fitness class, I guess, or as a physical activity, right? Mm -hmm. And then... Um, I, I remember being confused at like, just, I think the way it made me feel uh-huh. actually like the way, like uh-huh. I hadn't, um, I just literally had never experienced anything like, you know, getting into downward dog uh-huh. and like doing these poses and doing sun salutations and like, and there's that intentional um, aspect of it too, that maybe differs from a normal fitness class. How do you think yoga differs from a normal fitness class? What is it about yoga specifically that makes it different than a normal fitness exercise class? Well, I think like, um, the focus on the breath is a big part. I Mm -hmm. think that like it helps, uh, so it, it, I guess if you like are just thinking about yoga poses and like the, the things that you're doing with your body with yoga, I feel like focus on the breath and the sort of intentionality and the alignment stuff is not something you typically find in other athletic endeavors. Uh Like you might find similar things of like having good form and weightlifting Uh and maybe even controlling your breath in in Uh that kind of context. But, um, you don't typically like hold poses in the same kind of way and for the same length. Uh And so that's like got an interesting component that I think it's like, when you're holding a pose for a significant amount of time or even moving through a sequence of poses in a really mindful way, um, it has a meditative quality just inherently. Mm -hmm. But then I think that's really furthered by um, kind of the intention that's set by the teacher Uh and like the, you know, verbal script that they're saying, whether it's like off the cuff or whether it's like a yoga form that has like a more strict kind Uh of form to it. I think that like, you know, with yoga, you're really encouraged to have this inward journey, this like inner, like, you know, like, like kind of deep dive into yourself Mm. that you're probably not going to have, like when you're playing pickup basketball or something, you know, that Uh, may happen too, uh, but it's like, it's more of a byproduct than the the goal itself. Totally. I think it happens for me. I, Uh I access that also in other ways. Like 
like trail running is a, is a good mm-hmm. like meditative practice for me, both mm-hmm. because of like the context of it, like mm-hmm. just being in the mountains, but also just the, the way that I can get into like fully focused on my body, mm-hmm. like not, it's like my, the, you know, chattering mind, it just like sort of silence it mm-hmm. at a certain point. Um, how, how often, uh, how often, like how many times per week would you say that you get into a flow state, um, based on exercise or work or, or like, I would say probably like seven to 12 times seven or something 12 times, like, yeah. And how long do those flow states last usually? Um, I would say like on average, maybe if it's like exercise related, mm-hmm. either yoga or running or something like that, it's probably like a 45 minute mm-hmm. block of mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That's pretty like solid. But then if I have a kind of flow state that's sometimes they're just like random, like mm-hmm. where it's like, I'm just like, I'm driving mm-hmm. and it's like, mm-hmm. I just start to feel this, um, mm-hmm. almost like, um, like fluidity, like, like that, that everything is moving, like almost like weightlessness in mm-hmm. a way where you're like, I, I like sometimes think of it as like just total acceptance of things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where it's like everything around me, the people on the road next to me, the like, you know, color of the sky, like everything just feels like complete non-judgmental acceptance of what is happening. Mm -hmm. And it just makes everything feel super fluid. Mm -hmm. Like that sometimes happens to me just like, I don't really know why. Just Mm -hmm. like, I'll just have those moments of. Mm -hmm. Do they happen around other people or is it more of an introverted experience? Mostly an introverted experience. Uh Yeah. I think, um, the only times I think I've had those kinds of experiences that I can think of around others so much is like maybe like in the wilderness Uh kind of thing where Mm -hmm. we're like on a mountaintop or on the trail, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. or climbing sometimes like, like, you know, um, but yeah, I think, I think that's a key for me is like getting super into any kind of physical activity is like a real it's a direct path, solid right? way yeah. for me to get there because mm-hmm. I think both because of just that it takes a lot of focus, mm-hmm. but also probably just because of whatever, you know, brain Chemical. chemistry stuff yeah. is going uh-huh. on, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. like triggering dopamine. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And yeah. And also I think just hab- habituation, yep. you know, uh-huh. interesting. Do you, do you consider yourself an artist? I consider myself an artist in a way. I don't uh-huh. consider myself an artist um, maybe in the way that most people think of art. Mm-hmm. I think about my art um, like I'm trying to basically think of my life as like a canvas, mm-hmm. you know, or as a story. Mm-hmm. Like I'm telling a story and I'm getting to be a certain kind of person each day. And so I think about it often from like a point of like a third party point of view of like, if I'm watching myself, like Mm. as a viewer, Mm. like of a movie or Mm. something like that, like how likable is this character? How exciting is this story? Like Uh how, you know, Uh like what, you know, what things could this person do in this scenario Uh that would have impact that would have like that people would be like, yes, like that was a good move, you know? So I try to like think about myself in that way. And so I think about really like, like for me 
actually like everybody is an artist and uh -huh. we're creating our lives, uh -huh. you know, and we're like, uh -huh. you know, whether you're sculpting in stone, whether you're like, you know, mm -hmm. art is just like, you're a person who decides to go out and make people laugh. Uh -huh. And like, you know, I think that there's all sorts of different ways, um, to express, but I think that like, you know, one of my like hopes for like Meow Wolf is that we connect people to like the creator within them, uh -huh. you know, because uh -huh. I think that like, you know, when we say the word creator, we mm -hmm. often think religious, like experience kind of stuff. It, yeah. but when we say creative, uh -huh. We think artist, uh -huh. and I think like you know, for me, they're kind of the same concept. It's like the artist is a person who creates, and actually, each of us, what you know, every day when we get out of bed, we're making choices, there's and those choices are a creative process. Mm -hmm. Whether we're a plumber, whether we are, you know, mm -hmm. an, an executive, it's mm -hmm. like um, even if you know we're a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, it's like. Mm -hmm. The interactions themselves with the children, <clears throat> totally the cleaning the dishes, all of it is in a form of art. So it could can be a form. Totally, of art. and I think about so if you think about life as a medium uh -huh. for art, then you can start to think about what what really broad strokes can I start to carve out with a lifetime? Uh -huh. You know, like uh -huh. what like uh -huh. what sort of impact can I make over a 30, 45 year period? You know, uh -huh. and and like that's exciting to me. That's like where I, that's the way I think about like myself as an artist and I, you know, think that there's basically always room to improve yourself, always room to find like a deeper level of integrity with your actions, mm -hmm. like of aligning mm -hmm. your actions to your intent, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like that gets maybe easier the more you do it. Like mm -hmm. you build up some like internal, like muscle memory mm -hmm. around doing that but it certainly isn't a linear path and you make mistakes and that's that's the thing that has been the mo last couple of months in my readings and my practices has been understanding that kind of there is, it is a path there is a path element of building up upon the practice and everything like that but most moments of real transformation happen in in the moment and like in a in an instant basically mm -hmm. um and so trying to bring in that more instantaneous kind of awareness and instantaneous just like okay i'm here this is where i am and mm -hmm. and, and, and being here right now um, as opposed to going off into the thoughts and stories and stuff like that it always that coming back to the to the to the moment is always is always in, the, in an instant totally like yeah yeah um mm -hmm. yeah let me uh ask question here so do you get into creative flow states at Meow Wolf as well while you're in, in working, while in meetings? Can can creative flow happen in meetings? Or, or I think totally, yes, yeah. it can. I think what what happens for me sometimes is like there will be times when you're in, I don't know, I guess you kind of get into like almost, a, what is it, like tunnel vision state where you're mm -hmm. like, I'm just doing a spreadsheet or I'm just doing an email or something like mm -hmm. that. But I think especially in meetings when you're doing, especially if they're person-to-person -person meetings or even video conferencing is helpful um because i think if you actually can bring yourself back to like the moment like you say that like actually we're living beings sitting across from each other sharing an experience of our lives which are finite and like how you know if you can bring that like reality to a business deal and to a conversation about how we move forward with something i think that that like is helpful and i think it actually can add a lot of um 
significance to something which I guess looked at another way might just be 60 minutes of like, you know, something that you have to get through mm -hmm. as a part of your job or whatever. You and, know? and most people have this connotation of business as being something not spiritual, not not in this realm, but I really like that idea of, 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 of turning every moment into a, into a therapeutic moment or every mm -hmm. moment into a creative a moment. Uh, but then I, I wonder if you've had any experiences where people who aren't in that frame of mind and you're having a business meeting with external stuff or anything like that, has that ever been an issue where people are just like, well, what's going on here? Like, like <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe. I think that for the most part, people really respond well to that mm -hmm. kind of thing because it's not like I'm going to try to start leading people in a guided meditation or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. It's more just that like I'm trying to bring a certain... Uh -huh. Integrity. Yeah. yeah, integrity and like willingness to like a lot of times people come to business with this idea of like strategizing, oh. like I'm going to find the best deal for me. Mm. Yep. And if you kind of let that go and you just say straight up what's going on, mm. like it, it becomes a much more real conversation and, and you can be open about, obviously we both want to like have a win-win type of situation and mm. finding really finding that balance in a way that's like, you know, it helps to connect to somebody as like the person that is in front of you, like, you know, with all of their, their experience, role, like as their temporary role as whatever. You know, totally. Like, like seeing the fact that like maybe the CEO you're meeting with was once a small boy uh -huh. and has a family and mm -hmm. has like all of these things, like totally relevant. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, I'm not going to go on, I'm not going to talk about those things, uh -huh. but just to have that awareness of like, this is a person and mm -hmm. like, you know, we all basically have the same desires and the same needs mm -hmm. and the same sets of insecurities and like mm -hmm. things that we're trying to overcome. Mm -hmm. And like, I think being aware of that, um, and then oftentimes actually connecting to something, some kind of vulnerability in yourself mm -hmm. is such a disarming thing for others that it can be super powerful, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that actually does have place in a business context mm -hmm. to help people, you know, get to that like level of, you know, let's interact as humans, uh -huh. not as uh -huh. adversaries uh -huh. or whatever, you know? Uh -huh. Interesting. Yeah, how do you, as you mentioned win-win, um, win-win situations. Uh, in my life right now, for the last couple of years, I've tried to prioritize only having win-win or just no, or no, you know, no, no deal, essentially. Uh, in, our, in your business dealings, have you uh, encountered things that you find not, are as not win-win, and how do you say no to those, or what is the process like? Yeah, I mean, I guess... Um yeah, I guess you don't always have... Every not everything is always, like the best possible way that you could imagine it. Uh, and yeah. I think that you have to also be willing to accept, um, like maybe you have competing things, you know, mm. where it's like, mm. you know, we want to get money, but we also want to do something else, like some have a positive in impact on the community or, or maybe there's like competing things that you're thinking about. And so you do have to sometimes decide like, you know, which is the higher priority and which, mm. you know, or maybe somebody's asking for something that's a little bit more than you wanted to give, mm -hmm. um, but that you decide that that price is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that doesn't always mean it's like totally an effortless like mm -hmm. situation. I think there's sometimes you sometimes there might be a little bit of pain on one side or yeah. the other. Yeah. But like, um, I think 
Yeah, then you have to like weigh it in the larger context of like what does inaction mean? Uh-huh. Like if inaction is like a bigger consequence than taking a deal that's maybe not the best deal, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because often there's like an opportunity cost or there's like, you know, some other consideration like that mm-hmm. where, um, you know, but I think that generally, especially on simpler things, like, you know, finding a win-win or nothing at all is the way to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that mm-hmm. like, um, and I guess avoid like as a, as a point of strategy for business, as a point of like how you want to try to position yourself, it's like you want to avoid situations where you're so vulnerable that you need to take bad deals, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. like, I think that that's something that we definitely think about uh-huh. on like a larger level. Uh-huh. Um, and you know, you do try to try to think like, you know, how, you know, three or five year plan, like mm-hmm. what are the steps necessary to get there? And, Mm-hmm. In as with as much dignity as you can, uh-huh. you know. Yeah. Like, uh, and then so going back to the practices, the uh, the meditation or the spiritual practices. Uh, how wh- do you have a daily practice, and how does that daily practice uh, uh, help you to do business and help you to stay mm-hmm. focused and and do basically what you just said? So, um, my daily practice mostly mm-hmm. revolves around like like physical exercise. Mm-hmm. So I'll do like trail running or mm-hmm. yoga or um, you know, um, what else do I do? I do this like boot camp class, mm-hmm. like a cross training kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, or circuit training, I guess is mm-hmm. what it is. Um, so that's like, I think the most, like sort of alternating between those, those things is like the most consistent practice that I have. Mm-hmm. I do, um, try to do other things like, um, just doing yoga at home, mm-hmm. breathing, exercises like just you know kind of more straight up like meditation and mm-hmm. then um I've been practicing handstands uh-huh. but um those things like less uh regularly uh-huh. you know do you have any like practices that happen in the moment when you when you've confronted with stress or a stressful situation is there any kind of mental attitude that you have towards towards those situations or um, totally. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of like things that I do. One thing that's like really helpful or that can be really helpful for me is like when I start to have, especially like annoyance type uh-huh. of feelings or, or like anger, I'll sort of take this, I'll say to myself like, Oh, this is you feeling annoyed about this mm-hmm. or like whatever, mm-hmm. having this like one layer of removal of like seeing myself having that feeling. Mm. Um, because then it adds almost a, a, a comical aspect to it where it's mm-hmm. like, this is you being annoyed by this song or like, you know, it's like you can kind of, um, recognize it as a, uh, almost like a silliness uh-huh. about you or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, another thing I do actually is like, I think about the inevitability of death a lot. Like mm-hmm. that's something that I do probably every day. Mm-hmm. And I think about, because I, when I put death into my consciousness, it makes me, uh, have gratitude for life. Yep. And it makes me take, um, I, I don't take things for granted. Mm-hmm. And it also like is a kind of a great tool for like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, like being aware of death helps you, um, like, you know, death, if death is certain, 
like, you know, it kind of frees you to do whatever you want. Like, um, it's like the worst case scenario is already already, in your future. (laughs) And so it's like, it opens up. Yeah. Like opportunities, like, or paths towards, you know, uh, doing what you need to do or doing what you're doing, what you want to do. Or totally. Another really huge thing for me is like recognizing when I'm reacting to something that's already happened. Uh And so if I'm bringing Mm -hmm. something from Mm -hmm. my past into the present moment, Mm -hmm. almost always it's a, it's a bad idea. Uh Like if, you know, Uh I got mad at somebody an hour ago and I'm still thinking about that. I'm like carrying that into the future and there's no reason to do that. Mm -hmm. It's like finding a way to just choose that that's the thing that happened. Mm -hmm. And then like, be like, that's what happened. Mm. And I choose it. Mm-hmm. And then that frees you to like move forward, you mm. know? Um, so like the real result of that for me is like shortening the time, like the recovery time from when I have an emotional reaction to something. It's uh-huh. like, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be angry. You're going to be all these different things from time to time. And like, I think that's just part of being a human. Mm but what you can control is like how quickly do you get back up mm-hmm. from that moment? Like, yeah. and so for me, it's like, how can I shorten that to almost like it's a millisecond or of like, mm. I was angry and I like let it go as fast as possible. Like, you know, get back on my surfboard and I'm cruising again, you uh-huh. know, like uh-huh. kind of thing. Um, uh-huh. and then the other part of that is like just trying to shorten that time uh-huh. like, or, you know, extend the time between those kinds of episodes. Uh-huh. Like, that's that's um, something I've been I've been I read uh, a book in a, ta- in a book about tantra uh, that talks about uh, letting your being digest the experience as it happens and if you don't if you aren't able to digest it in that moment then it basically it, it gets trapped inside of your physical spiritual mental self basically and and stays there until it's eventually uh, you know you work it out somehow yeah, yeah. yeah um, and so that's been a very powerful practice for me. It's basically, like you said, just kind of like any experience I'm having, having not get attached to my understanding of that experience, but just letting it pass through me and, and kind mm-hmm. of digesting it and then and then opening up to the new experience and new totally. and stuff like that. And so we've got about five minutes left. And I was just wondering if you is a, um, a question that Tim Ferriss asked people, uh, what is the book that you find yourself giving to other people the most? Hmm. Um, let's see. There... I haven't been much of a reader uh-huh. in the last 10 years. So you know, like the only books I'm really reading lately are mm-hmm. like guidebooks to like national parks <laughs> and like well, what's your favorite um, one? Now? Um, right. Well, I mean, I guess the, there's the, um, Ortenberger guide to the Tetons. It's Uh like a climber's guide to the Tetons that I spent a lot of time with. Uh And, um, I don't know. Yeah. I have been uh, really, really bad about reading. Like Uh I basically read like technical things and don't. Okay. I've got a better, better question (laughs) then. What, uh, you just took a a four day trip on the Tetons or a three day Mm -hmm. trip. Um, can you describe for us a moment where you were awestruck or you had a feeling of flow? Um, uh, and at any point in those four days, can you kind of set the imagery up for what that felt like or kind of relate to it? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, um, the, we started out the day at, at midnight, mm-hmm. um, to get an early like Alpine start, I mm-hmm. guess they, they would say it's a pretty early start, but, um, <laughs> 
And so uh, we were basically getting to the top of the first summit, mm. um, which was uh, Mount Tiwanat, mm. and um, right around dawn. And so mm. the you know we had been hiking through the dark, just up this brutal you know, just like punch in the face of an incline, mm. um, you know, just to start your your morning after like just a couple hours of sleep basically, yeah. um, and but then you get to the the summit and the sun's coming up and you just start to see this like just incredible landscape mm. being revealed. Mm. Um, and you're on this kind of, you know, sort of precarious, like pointy little rock. Uh-huh. And, uh, then you can see like the rest of what your objective is kind of stretching out in front of you. These like other, uh-huh. you know, 10 summits that we were planning to climb. Whoa. And it was just a really breathtaking like moment. Um, mm. I think there's like, quite a few moments like that, that, um, really focused me on like your, the grandeur of the landscape makes you feel really small Mm. and makes you feel really transient, Mm. you know, like, Mm. and, and so it's like, it's kind of an ironic thing because in some ways you think like, I got to the summit of this giant mountain, like what a big man am I, you Mm. know, kind of like how cool am I? But like, in reality, it's like the opposite kind of feeling. It's incredibly humbling you know, for me, it's like this totally humbling experience. And it's, um, it's like, a, it's an experience like being on a summit like that is unlike anything, even with no sleep and, you know, uncomfortable sleep and little food and all those those discomforts that, you know, take us away from whatever in that moment don't matter. And it's like, you're just there. It's transformational. It's, it's amazing. Like I, there's nothing else for me that's like comes close to that feeling like maybe skydiving a little bit, but Uh that's like even, it takes so much less work to skydive that I think actually like the hard work of it is part of the value. It's Uh like you, you like, that's like the meditation of Mm -hmm. it, you know? And it's like this like continual, like, can I do this Mm -hmm. thing? Mm -hmm. Taking on, taking on challenges that you're not at all certain are achievable by Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm is like what I really like to do. You know, mm. it's like where the chance of failure is high. Mm. And that's art. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Thank you. Stop there. Yeah. Thank you, Damien. That was fun. Yeah.